What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Phase Zero, episode number 11. We're already on 11. I can't believe it feels like we just started this show yesterday. And we started at the end of an MCU drought, which seemingly will be something that never happens again. I am your host, Brandon Davis, and I am joined today. Jenna Anderson is back on the program. Hello, everybody. And we have another first-timer in the form of the one and only Charlie Ridgely. What's going on, man? What's up, Chuck? I'm excited to be here. I'm stuck. You sound thrilled. I am thrilled. I'm sorry if I don't sound. I'm just. I'm. I'm ready to. I'm ready to talk. I'm. I've got all this like pent up Marvel energy. It was very you know? soft today. Yeah. Yeah, that's very. Listen, I know. I've known Charlie for years. Everybody, we started. Uh, uh, he started a comicbook.com a couple years after I did, and we covered The Walking Dead together for years. We were a tag team, and uh, I know when Charlie's excited, and right now he's being very tame. It's being very tame. I respect it. I respect it. Charlie, we like to, to start. We, <laughs> <laughs> we like to break in our new co-hosts with icebreakers. Is that okay with okay. you? Yeah. yeah I, have an, I have a question. I have a very important question for you. Okay. If you had to get one line from the Marvel Cinematic Universe tattooed on your body forever, what line would you wear on your own skin? My... My initial answer is I can do this all day, but that's not, I don't think that's what I go with. I think thinking about it a little bit more, if I look at the whole MCU, I, it's, I am Groot is like the, <laughs> or, or, or we are Groot. Like that, that final moment in Guardians when, when Groot encompasses everybody is like my favorite moment in the whole franchise. And so as much love as I have for Cap, obviously, uh, I think that's what would end up. On. And now I kind of want one, which you've really messed with me because I, I would never have done that. And now... If you get I I'm am Groot tattooed it. on you, I'll pay for it. Wow. I'll, I'll, I'll go get you that tattoo this weekend. So anyway, let's, we have a big show today. That's Charlie, everybody. That's, that's, that's your little flavor of Charlie to get the show started. We have a big show. We're going to talk about the Falcon of the Winter Soldier episode two, full breakdown. Uh, we're going to save the spoilers for the second half of the show. So if you haven't watched it yet, you can run through the MCU news with us. We have a special guest on today's show. Our first returning guest. Nobody else liked us enough to come back. This guy is awesome, uh, and he, I don't know. He, he might be a little distracted, I think, because he was getting texts that something's about to happen in his world. So, you know, if you're a football fan, be on the lookout on Twitter. I don't want to say more than that and possibly get him in trouble. Uh, Mr. Matthew Barry is here. What's up, boys and Jenna? Nice Hi. to see you guys again. Very honored to be back here. Excited to be on the show with my guy, Charlie. Charlie is, uh, Charlie is my guy. Charlie wrote about... Uh, my uh, my role in the MCU, although he just dissed me, because how could you not pick Hand Over the Case Stark as your tattoo? <laughs> like, what the F, Charlie? I thought. All right, if, you, if you pay for that one, I'll go get it. All right. <laughs> I think the obvious answer, VD, I think the obvious answer for what tattoo is should be on your butt, and it should be, that is America's ass. I mean, come on. That's a layup. <laughs> like if you're asking that's america's ass right there from the mcu on your body put it on your butt that is america's ass how is he's got a point he, does. he makes he makes a very good point i i will you honestly matt I'm, i think i'm just gonna give you this show because <laughs> you cut co you come so prepared like you're you're quick you're prepared you know your stuff uh, I love that's a good charlie i actually i take it back if you get uh, this is america's ass tattooed i'll pay for that tattoo 
No, listen. I'm going to get all the tattoos for free. Oh, my God. Okay, what, Charlie? I'll pay for it. If you get hand over the K-Star tattoo, I will pay for it. And in two years, I'll pay for the removal of it. <laughs> Does Every time to... I do anything with Brandon, there's tattoos involved. I know. Does he have to also get your face tattooed? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Somebody already has that. <laughs> you, know, you mean like on your leg? You know what I mean? That's when you know you've sweet. made it. Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, somewhere yeah. super visible, Charlie. That right we'll, there we'll, we'll is talk about you know you've made it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you guys can talk after the program. We got, a, we got a lot of Marvel news to get to. First of all, Spider-Man 3 is wrapping production today. This is the last day of production on Spider-Man No Way Home. This means Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield get to go home, right? <laughs> right? They're done? Okay. Do we know? Maybe? Well, but Who knows? No way home. There's no way home. That's it. They're stuck. They're stuck, stuck in Georgia. In some sort of multiverse, which may or may not happen. Who knows? This, this, uh, I, I saw this report. I don't know if it was exclusive uh, from Murphy's Multiverse, uh, but I saw Murphy's Multiverse talking about it today. I know that this is true, so I'm going to go ahead and say, like, yeah, this is the last day of filming for Spider-Man No Way Home, and it's very on point with other things I heard about what's coming down to Georgia to take its place. There's, there's other things filming in Georgia immediately after this, and I've heard that. Uh, Blade might be getting started before this year's over in that same lot, so they might be starting uh, pre-pro on on uh, on Blade. But Do they have a they have a writer, but has there been a director? See, that's the yet? thing is I, that's the thing that's why I don't know if it's if that's accurate because that, the same person who told me Spider Man wraps right now is the same person who told me Blade should be getting started this year, but Blade doesn't even have a director, so I don't see how Blade can get Does started. Blade needed director. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw Mahershala out there. Yeah, yeah let him. But uh, so that's the thing. Uh, I don't know. We'll. I don't know how true that is because it 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 doesn't. Like, there's so many missing pieces to that production. But hopefully, hopefully that means some pieces start to come out soon. So uh, I know Moon Knight and She Hulk are supposed to get started in the near future. You know, uh, we saw yesterday. Uh, what was it? Captain Marvel two and Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Realm are supposed to get started at the end of May. I mean, Marvel Studios they are not taking a day off. Well, look, you know, not to get too inside baseball, but here's the thing. Uh, when, when the pandemic hit, the Dis D Disney, which is what, which has traditionally always been one of the best stocks in the world, uh, really dipped, I think dropped from like, it was like at 140, somewhere in that range. And it dropped to like under a hundred. At one point, the stock was around $90 a share, creeped up to like 120 at one point. And, you know, it made sense during the pandemic, right? Because movies aren't open, cruise ships aren't open, theme parks aren't open, retail shops aren't open. The Walt Disney Company just had a lot of different revenue streams that weren't drawing money. It is now, listen, they're just now opening the California parks. Cruise ships are, you know, some aren't even going and they're, you know, half capacity. Not every retail shop is doing huge business. And yet... And, and obviously movies, you know, like how many times has Black Widow been, uh, you know, uh, pushed back? And I know we'll talk about that, right? And so here's the thing. Disney, Disney's stock price is over $190. Uh, That's a lot of money. highest in a, yeah. in a long time. And the whole point of this, the whole point of this little rant is I think it's almost entirely due to the insane success of Disney Plus and the, and the direct-to-consumer business of the Walt Disney Company. And the Disney Plus business, I think, is almost, you know, all due respect to The Mandalorian and to Soul and to all the great content that is there. But I believe that uh, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki that's upcoming 
and all the MCU right there is just a massive, massive driver of Disney Plus and Walt Disney. And so it makes no, it makes, it is not shocking to me at all that they are like, oh, we have a good idea. We're doing that. I mean, yeah, Marvel seems to be their, their, you know, hottest thing right now. I'm all, I just, I have to correct a tweet. Uh, it has come to my attention that I tweeted the link to, sh- to today's show and I wrote twitch.tv slash comic boo, not comic book. <laughs> Thank I, you for bringing that to my I attention. Layla and she, yeah, I, I probably just deleted it, retweeted it, and we're back to the show. Uh, let's move on to the next bit of news. Echo is never getting a series. Brandon. I just learned <laughs> never retweet Brandon. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you should have known that. Uh, Echo is getting a series, a spinoff of Hawkeye. It's going to star Alequa Cox. Alequa Cox. Did I say her? I'm, I'm so sorry if I said her name wrong. Alequa Cox, Alequa Cox. Does anybody know for sure? I think that sounds, that sounds right. Um, and she's playing Maya Lopez. Uh, I mean, this is super. I personally love that they're bringing this show that's going to uh, bring a deaf character, deaf actress, Native American. I mean, this is a, I mean, talk about underrepresented in film and television. I mean, this is really great to finally have this make its way to the Marvel. It's the biggest stage imaginable. I love this. I do too. I I was thinking when this got announced earlier this week, it feels akin to like how Peacemaker already has a show out of, and the Suicide Squad hasn't even come out yet. Of like, I love this sort of thing of this character hasn't even really debuted, and yet we trust them enough and trust in the the story that we're going to tell with them to give them their own show. So I think that's just awesome. Like, I think it's really unexpected but very cool. And it's, it's, yeah, it's so cool that this is going to be a series because we're going to get to know the character so mm-hmm. much better than we would in a movie like we're seeing on these shows. And I, I, I love that. Somebody had a thought. And, and, so. and it's, a, it's a cool, like, you talk about the representation of it. Like, we have Lauren Ridloff in, uh, in uh, The Eternals in the fall. And, like, it's really, you know, Marvel's really moving forward with, like, including not just not just deaf characters, but deaf performers, you know, to, to play those characters. And we've heard for so long, you know, Marvel talking about inclusivity and diversity and really wanting to push, you know, the, not the barrier, but really expand to include a lot of underrepresented stories, underrepresented people. And I think for a long time it was like, okay, like you've talked about this, you know, are you really, and now we really see, we, we see that come to fruition part of it in the Falcon and Winter Soldier today and going mm-hmm. forward with their plans with Miss Marvel and, there's so much that they're doing that they're really charging forward into this area that we've been waiting for them to occupy for a really long time. So it's really exciting to, to see that actually coming to fruition. Again, I, I, like, I feel like I'm, you know, listen, anyone who listens to my podcast knows that, you know, I'm hashtag a company man. But uh, the truth is, I mean, I can tell you that as somebody who is a full-time employee of the Walt Disney Company, which I am, that diversity and inclusion is not a talking point. Like it is a, it is a massive massive um, uh, priority for the company from the top down, not just on screen. And it's great to see it being not just on screen in terms of who is being cast, not just on screen in terms of storylines, as you referenced, Charlie. I mean, Falcon Winter Soldiers dealt dealt with that in in both episodes. Right. And so um, but but also just in terms of uh, in terms of opportunities within the company, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, sem- uh, seminars and webinars and resources available to everyone in the company. And um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a lot of people talk the talk. I will say the Disney company is walking the walk. I was actually going to ask you about that when we got to the Falcon and Winter Soldier breakdown. I had a question for you, but I mean, I, I, it just fits now. I mean, 
as a Disney employee, I'm curious, I mean, because the Falcon Winter Soldier dives into really, I mean, realistic race issues. Well, last yeah. week with the bank loan thing, like, yeah, it's one thing a person who doesn't have income can't get a bank loan. But I mean, the, the, under, the, the underlying text of that scene was that a black American is going to face something like that. You know, and it's something that people really deal with in this country. And then in today's episode, we dive into it. I'm going to save the spoilers, but we do dive into race issues in today's episode in an amazing way. Malcolm Spellman writing this stuff is incredible. And I, I, I don't know why I'm ever surprised anymore that Marvel is not shying away from this stuff. Like, and, and it, I think it's an important topic to discuss. They do it really gracefully and it, like really nicely in Falcon and Winter Soldier, especially this episode. So I'm curious, like when you're on a like when you're on ESPN. Like, how does the conference, like, with sports, it was, you couldn't avoid race issues with sports this summer. And so, like, and I don't know, I don't think people want to. You know, people are, want to hear about this. People want to talk about this. When you go, when you make a run of your show or a run of your segments and things like that, and you're, you're tackling race issues, are there kind of, like, approvals of that? Are they encouraging that? Like, how does that all work? I think it depends on the, I think it depends on the program and the talent, to be perfectly honest, right? So. Yeah. You know, I do fantasy football and race doesn't really rear its head in fantasy football. Right. I mean, so uh, we certainly try to, uh, you know, uh, you know, make a point in terms of diversity and inclusion, in terms of who we put on air, who we put on our shows, who we who are working behind the scenes. And and, you know, in, in that particular sense, but in terms of like in terms of a race issue, like it's like any other issue. Right. It's like when it's going to be presented on air, like we have producers, we have talent you know, we have certain talent that can speak very well about it. We have certain talent that like, like I can certainly speak to it, but no one's like, if there's a race issue in the NFL, no one's immediate thought is, oh, I wonder what Matthew Barry thinks about that. Yeah. Let me, yeah. let me get the middle-aged white guy that's yeah, exactly. fantasy football and get his opinion on race relations in the NFL. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. like, so, you know, so, so, you know, does that make any sense? Like, you know, like Stephen no, A. Smith, that makes perfect Stephen sense. A. Smith can speak about whatever he wants. But, you know, Stephen A. is somebody that's been out of the forefront of that, you know, uh, uh, for a while. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, it just goes through a normal process. But ESPN hires people, I'll just say in general, ESPN, not even specific to race, but ESPN hires people in terms of producers, directors, writers, on-air commentators uh, that they trust. ESPN isn't your first job. And so whether, regardless of what the subject is, right, they, they trust, they trust when I'm in front of a live microphone or any of my other colleagues, they trust that, you know, we know uh, how to be thoughtful about all yeah. subjects and, yeah. and, you know, hopefully bring an interesting point of view and analysis that our viewers will enjoy. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I find that really interesting. And I mean, you make a really good point. I mean, I don't think people really just want to hear from the white dude who's never been affected by these issues. And I recognize that when I'm out here talking about this stuff, it's, it's important to get different perspectives. And, uh, you know, yeah. I think that's, that it's, see, that's it's the good only to see thing. that we don't, have to, we don't have to dive into, you know, make it all. Yeah. Like, well, we'll yeah. About, especially about my industry. Cause let's, let's from, let's from, yeah, nobody about. wants to, but I'll just say <laughs> like it is, it's, it's hard from for, us. The best thing that I think I can do is recognize that there's an issue and try to be as helpful as I can without Absolutely. trying to say like, oh, I get it. Cause I don't, I don't get mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, and, like, and just acknowledging that, that like, I'm a, you know, I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged white guy and I've never had to deal with a lot of the issues that, that people of color have. 
you know, and I grew up, yeah. in a, you know, and I'm Jewish and I, and I, I experienced recent racism growing up in, in small town, Texas, but nothing like what people of color have to deal with. Yeah. And we're, we're going to, we're going to talk more about this in the, in terms of Falcon and winter soldier in a little bit. Um, we have one more bit of news that I want to get to before we take a quick break and get to the spoilers. Uh, so listen, black widow moved its release date. Shang-Chi moved its release date, but only one of them is landing on Disney plus uh, black widow pushed back to July 9th. It's doing theaters and it's doing Disney plus with premier access. I feel like they just know we're going to go watch it in theaters and then we're going to go home and watch it again. And that's why they moved it back so that more people would go see it in theaters first. Uh, well played, guys. Well played. I mean, I'm going to do that. I know I'm going to do that. I'm going to go watch it in theaters and I'm going to want to watch it again, especially to talk about it on the show. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's an interesting format. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if that is tremendously successful. Will they apply that to Shang-Chi on September 7th? Will they apply that to Eternals in, on November 5th, which did not move? I kind of hope not. I love going to a crowded theater. I hope that by the time these movies are coming out, we are safely going to crowded theaters again. I don't know. Who who knows when that's going to be, when we're sitting, like, I don't know, maybe make the seats a little bit bigger because I do love not rubbing elbows with strangers. But, you know. I think, Brandon, I think that's the point, is that I would just pipe, jump in real quick and say that I think that It'll depend on, you know, where we are as a country and how, you know, and, and states and our, you know, movie theaters getting full and, and how comfortable we feel. I think in the case of Black Widow, unlike Shang-Chi or the Eternals, it's a known commodity. You know, like that's a character mm-hmm. that's beloved, that's been in many, many movies. You know, it's it's Scarlett Johansson. It's a proven movie star. And, you know, nothing against the cast of Shang-Chi or, or the Eternals, but those are you know, those are more unknown titles to the general public, right? And sometimes that works. Obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy was kind of an obscure title in the grand scheme of things, right? It isn't as well known as Hulk or Captain America. Um, and that obviously was a huge success. But given sort of the, the state of the world, as it were, and as we're slowly trying to come out of this pandemic, you know, I wonder if if they would want to release those streaming-wise where it's, you know, like, it feels easy. Like I'm definitely watching black widow. I'll throw down 30 bucks to do it as part of Disney, you know, like, but Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I get the same bang for your buck as it were with, with titles that are not as well known. Yeah. Hopefully by that. Jenna, what's your, what's your stance on where are you? You're in LA, right? Um, no, I'm in Chicago. Oh, uh, Chicago. Okay. Completely okay. opposite side of the country. Um, Jamie's Jamie's the one in LA. Yeah, that's right. No, comic book is all over the place. We have yeah. people in New York, Chicago. We have people in like the the Midwest, in out in LA, all over the place. So, but Jen, I mean, I, I, from the Chicago perspective, because I've talked about how in Nashville mm-hmm. we have not been had the LA impact that, that of COVID and everything, and obviously numbers that are way down here. Mm-hmm. I feel okay going to a theater. Plus, I got a vaccine. So, I mean, I'm curious from your perspective in Chicago, what's the experience like there? Are you comfortable going to a theater? Do you think you'll be comfortable going to a theater by July? I honestly don't know at this point. Like, I I think I said this when I was on the podcast last week that I love the idea of giving consumers a choice of like, if you don't feel comfortable enough to go to a theater and you do just want to pay the 30 bucks and stay at home. Like at this point, that is something that's an option that I'm probably considering because it's like, it's, it's easier and it's just the peace of mind of like, okay, I'm not potentially like in a huge crowd of people. I would love to, 
I am very excited to get back to the point of being in a crowded movie theater and watching a big blockbuster. But with something like Widow, where the marketing has been like a year and a half long at this point, like we we know the movie, we want it to come out. I am totally fine just like paying to watch it at home. And then hopefully by the time we get to Shang-Chi and Eternals, it's like, oh, this can actually safely be a thing that I can go to the theater to see. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That makes a lot of sense. So we'll see. I mean, by September, hopefully uh, things are things are shaping up. I just got invited to CinemaCon oh. in Las Vegas, which is in the end of August. So, I mean, they're trying. They're trying. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't even know if I'll be allowed to go, but we'll <laughs> see what happens. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break, and when we come back, we're talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Episode 2. See you in a minute. Welcome back to the second half of Phase Zero, Episode 11. I'm Brandon Davis, joined today by Jenna Anderson, Charlie Ridgely, and ESPN's fantasy football expert, Matthew Berry. Right now, we're about to dive into the Falcon of the Winter Soldier, Episode number two. Spoilers. If you haven't watched it yet, now's your chance to go watch the Suicide Squad trailer instead. That's available now. It's very good and watchable. So do that. Anyway, but now you've been warned. That's your spoiler warning. I gave you the By nice the way, by the, can, I want to talk to Charlie for one second here and, and Jenna. Like, forget Brandon for a second. Charlie and Jenna, do you feel like, oh boy. like, do you feel like Brandon's like DCU love fest is based on the fact, like, he just said the trailer was watchable, which is that's the point. Like, I feel like DC, the DC universe is so brutal that it's just like, oh, like everyone's so excited about Zack Snyder's Justice League because you know what? Hey, it wasn't a train wreck. Like, that's the whoa. Like, oh, it wasn't awful. I thought it Zack Snyder's Justice League was fantastic. The way the other stuff has been. Like, Oof. Go watch the Suicide Squad trailer. It's watchable. Uh, you guys want to take this one? I, I mean, so Jen and I are coming from way different places on this. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I know that both of us have feelings about this. And both of us probably disagree with you. It's just a, a, a to varying degrees. Um. I'll, Jenna, you're you're the big DC person, yeah, so I'll, I I'll a, let you. I am a diehard DC fan. Like even even the movies that are the most panned, it's like I still find something to love about. So I'm more just in the sense of like if people are finding something that they like in the DC movies and they want to come over to our side and just have fun, then I'm okay with that. But yeah, I the the watchable qualifier, I did definitely notice that that was kind of a, <laughs> a an interesting adjective. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I said it's very good. It's watchable. Whoa, whoa, Those whoa. Those seem like different things, though. I yeah, will agree with Matt there. They seem like different things. But it's tipping to the side of yeah. good, all right? Okay. My goodness. The Suicide Squad is my most anticipated movie of 2021. Keep in mind, I'm very aware that Spider-Man No Way Home is still on the schedule for this year. I cannot wait to see the Suicide Squad. I, I Here's the thing. I know more than you do about this movie as, <laughs> look, that's that's me on the set get of the it. Suicide Squad. I get it. I'm very excited for this movie. No, it, listen, of the DC Universe movies, Suicide Squad is, you know, among the among the the most not terrible. So I'm with you there. I want I demand I demand comic book get a podcast of me and Jenna where we do nothing. <laughs> this is I want this an entire podcast episode and then we're going to talk to Winter Soldier. But Jenna, this is my request of you. Okay. I want you and I to do a podcast episode where all we're going to do, and Charlie, you're, you're welcome to join as well, where all we do on this podcast 
is to bait birds of prey. Because oh. that's the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, so I, I would go to that. Every movie has something. Like, Birds of Prey is literally the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you 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 just started something. I was literally going to bring up Birds of Prey as, I, as an argument for <laughs> why, for DC. I will because, go to you know, for Birds of Prey. Like, I understand, like, forever, you know. So, yeah. Zack Snyder, <laughs> I think there are people that love him and people that don't. And I understand both and, sides and of that I fence. I like Margot Robbie. Like, I'm a I understand that, but I was going to bring up Birds of Prey okay. and Shazam specifically as movies that are like, hey, you know, regardless of what you think about the specifics, Exciter stuff, that DC has some really awesome stuff to offer because I do think Birds of Prey is such a fun movie. And I think Shazam is like one of the better superhero movies that have come out in the last, I mean... We're killing Brandon. Years. Brandon is no, no, no. Uh, Shazam is great. I'm with you on Shazam. I, I love Shazam. I thought that was really well done. No, I'm, I'm if, if I have to sign with somebody, though, if, if we're talking about Birds of Prey, it, I have to I have to go over it with Jenna because... Thank you. I, I, I like that DC movies are enjoyable and Marvel movies are enjoyable. I think that, like, that's... I, I love that James Gunn is kind of helping bridge that gap because I think that both companies have so many cool stories to offer. And yes, there's always been this, like, oh, it's, it's us or them. And it's like... Problem. I love that both I just, are okay, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put the nail in this argument's coffin. Right. Man of Steel is one of the best comic book movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Batman vs Superman Ultimate Edition is very very good. The yeah. first Wonder Woman is an excellent movie. That Shazam is, is great. Aquaman is good. It's kind of long. Zack Snyder's Justice League was fantastic. Uh the the Aquaman's kind of long, but not Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> yeah, but I watched not the it four in the hour theater. Movie. I watched the it in the Listen, listen. Birds of Prey, I think it's okay. I see why people like it. It's not my favorite movie. Wonder Woman 1984, I didn't like as much as the first Wonder Woman. Theatrical Cut, I saw it. I got excited. I thought it was okay. And then I saw watched Jack Snyder's Justice League. I was like, yo, I'm dumb for liking that first movie. Here we are. Listen. All right. Listen. I, I am not... Just to be clear, though. Just to be clear, I do agree with you on Shazam was great. Wonder Woman was great. Uh, Aquaman was fine. You know what I mean? But I just think the bar is lower for DC than for Marvel movies. I just I'm just saying, like, literally the best Marvel movies. I don't think but I don't think the bar is lower because DC people are constantly trashing DC movies on Twitter that because they're holding it to a different standard. And I think if Zack Snyder's Justice League showed us anything, it's that DC will succeed if it tries to be its own thing. It mm -hmm. should not try to be Marvel. And I don't oh, think the Suicide Squad I think that James Gunn is bringing something totally different to the Suicide Squad, and you see that in this trailer. There are, you know, there are some key James Gunn things that you'll see in the tone of the trailer, which will almost be reminiscent of the first Guardians trailer. And I was expecting a very Guardians one, Guardians trailer number one feel of this Suicide Squad trailer, and it's not that. And I, I had higher expectations for the Suicide Squad trailer than what I got. I, I, it's still my most anticipated movie of the year. Even after the trailer, I like the trailer. I didn't love it as much as I thought I would. I just thought it was a good trailer, and that's yeah, how we I got think, here. You know, the, the the stand. Oh, never mind. You're right. Let's let's move on to right. something else. Listen, I like if you want to the spoiler, sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't yeah, mean yeah, we took the whole. Around. Listen, <laughs> if we want to do a DC show, go to Comic Book Nation. Kofi Outlaw, the host of that, who just did a great show this week with uh, Joe Manganiello, talked all about the scrapped Batman movie that I want to see 
so badly with Batgirl and Ben Affleck and everything. I suggest listening to that podcast episode. Matt, I think you'd be a great guest on there because Kofi is not as as not as uh, he doesn't keep the gloves on like I do. He will let you have it. You two, you I went like through that. three or four things before you got to what you ended up choosing to say. He, no, I'm just telling you, Kofi and Matt, Matthew, Kofi and Matthew talking to each other, I think would be one of the most interesting episodes comicbook.com could ever offer anywhere. I, After how I Matt, agree with. Just, Matt yeah. just went in in a way I've never seen a guest go in before. And I respect it. I disagree with it, but I respect it. I Listen, I'm, I'm, you know, just so you know, like I'm not, you know, I'm not just fanboying because it's a comic book movie. Like it has to be good. <laughs> no, that's uh, fair. No, that's I'm, what you're listen, supposed to do. Man of, Man, of Steel was, Man of Steel was above average, I thought. and But Batman and Super, versus Superman, I, I had real problems with. But, um, you know, and... So and you all, I know is, all I know is Matt Reeves and Howard Pattinson listen, are on their everybody way. Everybody who, everybody, all the Marvel fans who downloaded the podcast just turned it off because they were I like, know. I don't care about this. Listen, <laughs> this is, I, hey, we said in the first episode, we're going to talk about other stuff. I, we just stuck to it. We just stuck to it. All right. We're, we, we have officially gotten the, the wrap it up box from Omer, te, Omer Tonight uh, in the comment section. Wrapped. It's wrapped up. We're moving on to the South of the Winter Soldier. Uh, let's do, let's do this. Kind of Winter Soldier spoilers. And now I need to pull up my notes because it's back on track. Whew, that was fun, though. <laughs> I'm sweating. Uh, I, I, this was – I love this episode of Falcon Winter Soldier. I liked it a lot more than I liked the first episode. I thought the first episode was good, maybe 7 out of 10, 6.5 out of 10. I thought this episode was closer to 8.5, 9 out of 10. I think this show is going to be exponentially better when Bucky and Sam are together, when it is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, their chemistry, Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan – is fantastic. The writing Malcolm Spellman is giving them is great. I recognize the first episode had a lot of heavy lifting to do. We had to establish these characters in the post-Endgame era of their lives. And I think that what this episode did now was put the foot down on the gas. It was awesome. I adored it. Charlie, your thoughts? Uh, I'm Obviously, I, I really love this show. I mean, you know, Captain America is my favorite part of the MCU. So Sam and Bucky have always been characters I've really, really loved. Uh, and I, mean, I liked the first episode a little more than you did. And so... I was already kind of higher on it coming into this. Um, and it still found ways to surprise me. It moves so much faster than the first one did, even though I I appreciate the, the slow-moving pace of the first episode yeah. because of all the groundwork it had to lay. Um, there's times in this episode, I, there's a couple of moments where I almost think it moves a little too fast because it just kind of skips like how a thing happened. But it, so much is going on, it's easy to just kind of forget about it and, and move on. Um, this episode got a lot heavier than the first one did. Which is what's really surprised me. Uh, you know, like you said, Malcolm Spellman is is not uh, he is not here to play around. I want to I want to shout out um, uh, Michael Castelline. Castelline, he's the credited writer for this episode. So Malcolm Spellman, you know, is the head writer for the show. But uh, right, right. you know, we had another writer to actually pen this one. That you know, both of them have done an incredible job. Um, That's a know, good call. Thank this you. This also had another element, like the first one. If there was one big action set piece, which was really really well put together. But so much of the excitement of the episode was kind of in the, not the exposition, but in the character building and in kind of the world around that action, um, which is the most enjoyable thing about this show to me. Because when it was first advertised, it was like, oh, this is going to be the standard MCU action show. You have all this weird stuff in WandaVision, all this weird stuff in Loki. And this is like the, oh, it's like the Black Widow of the TV move, of the TV stuff. Like it's just, it's just down the middle, Marvel action, have fun. And it's so much more than that. And, and they're really doing an awesome job of, of doing so many different things. Um, and this episode weirdly had the, uh, it had all of the character 
appearance things I think we were thinking WandaVision was going to have. You know, and we'll get into all that in a little bit, but all of the, uh, oh, this person's going to appear this one, and then it never happened in WandaVision. This episode was just like, here's all these people from comics that you're going to recognize. Have fun. And I, I really, you know, on top of all the, the actual good stuff, actual good content in the episode, I love seeing these fresh faces and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, two for two at this point with, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I want to pull a comment up here. Ro Finer Dairy uh, says, love the episode. Very excited to see if they delve into the Isaiah Bradley stuff more. I also vote for hating John Walker. So there we have a, a Phase Zero Ultimate Fan review to, to, to ponder. Uh, Jenna? Give us your reaction to the episode. Um, I, I completely agree with like everything that has already been said. I, I went in and I was like, okay, I liked the first episode. I just don't know if I love this show yet. But like the second episode made me love this show. Like I am just so happy with just the way that they're dealing with everything. And just like like Charlie said, in terms of comic characters and just lore, like Captain America lore that's being introduced, this feels like stuff that could have taken the entire season. Like I expected if we got Isaiah Bradley, it was going to be like episode three or four, but it's like, oh, we're just like diving right in and introducing all of this stuff. And like, honestly, I got more excited in the scene with Sam and Bucky and John and Lamar riding in the back of the truck. Like that was almost as exciting, if not more than like the fight scene that had like just come before it, because it was like, oh, all of this character dynamic stuff was just so well done and really, really interesting. And honestly, Jenna, I never even thought they would do Isaiah Bradley uh-huh. in the show. It was one I, of those like I just I, had I didn't gonna, think they gonna, would go there. Yeah, I I fully agree though. I, I felt the same way about Wandavision sometimes that the 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 action when people were throwing words at each other was more was more fun to watch than people were throwing fists at each other. Uh, Matt, what do you think of the episode? Yeah, I agree with this. So you know, obviously, as you guys know, I'm I'm much more of a TV and film MCU guy than a comic book guy. So. Uh, you know, reading some stuff online, I was aware of, you know, so I'm aware of, you know, some of the other characters and that kind of stuff, but probably don't have the knowledge base that you guys do in, in terms of that. But looking at it, I thought um, I thought it was really good. It's interesting as a series, like if you had to tell me like WandaVision versus uh, WandaVision versus Falcon Winter Soldier, I would say I like I like WandaVision better as a series than I do Falcon Winter Soldier. But. I like Falcon and the Winter Soldier after episode two a lot more than I like WandaVision after episode two. So to your point, Jenna, about like just sort of like diving right in and like, you know, getting there. Um, I, I think they've done a nice job. Um, I thought that, you know, there were there were two themes that came up in a big way other than just sort of character stuff and, um, you know, Bucky and uh, uh, um, I was going to call him Anthony Mackie. Sorry. Bucky and Sam's Insane. relationship. And there's two big things that I, that themes that I want to talk about. Like, first off, one is well, we get to, we talked we talked a little bit about race and and earlier in, the, in our episode, and obviously that's a big theme throughout this episode in a couple of different ways. But I sort of wonder if just to take this out for a larger MCU conversation for a second, is one of the things of the Disney Plus shows the that being a superhero sucks that. <laughs> Like, you think about it, right? Because WandaVision is ultimately, at the end of the day, WandaVision is about deal- Wanda's grief after the, after the events of Endgame, right? I mean, ultimately, and just throughout her entire life, like, she, she lost her parents, and she lost her brother, and she lost Vision. Like, so it's entirely about, like, sort of her grief, right? And just the after effects of, ha- of, of sacrifices she has made as a superhero. So now you come into Sam, and same thing, right? Like... He's, you know, his family is in financial straits. He seems to be in, in financial straits. 
And even though he's a freaking Avenger and he's world famous, he still can't get a bank loan. He's still getting hassled by cops, right? He's still getting, he's still getting looks because he's also a black man in America. And so like, it's just, it, it was sort of like, um, you know, the financial aspect was more prevalent in episode one than it was in episode two, but it is just sort of like, and then you think about, you think about uh, uh, Bucky, right? And so Bucky's like, you know, like I thought that was a really, you know, big moment in episode one and they, they put it in the, the, uh, the recap of episode two, which is like, you know, you're cleared, you're free to do what? You know what I mean? Like, uh, and it's- Bucky sitting on his floor watching TV was yes, such I know. an important, like just how they frame that. You know, no furniture, him just really like dealing with the, the veteran aspect of it, which really they dealt with a lot with Sam back in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Yes. You know, that, that's, yeah, really I mean, and that's a, that's a these, straight callback to uh, to what Sam said in Winter Soldier. Yeah. About, you know, I can't sleep on a mattress. I feel, it feels like a marshmallow. That was first encounter with Steve and Sam was that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love how they're diving into that. Um, I know and, Charlie's and think about Isaiah, right? So Isaiah is like, there's, I mean, and, and that's another theme with Isaiah, right? So it's two things, right? It's, it's number one is Isaiah feels like he was forgotten and that his, you know, uh, because of his service, like then he went to jail and he, you know, people are drawing blood and everything like that. Like, like he obviously has really strong, angry feelings about his time as a super soldier. And then, and then Anthony, uh, Sam Wilson, can't believe it's just it gets another it's another aspect of race. It's like, wait a minute, we had a black super soldier in the fifties, and no one knows about it. Captain America's on, you know, and this wasn't said, but like, wait a minute, Captain America's on every single poster, and there's trading cards and comic books and movies, and no one even knows who this guy this guy exists. And and what I, I something I learned really powerful this in a moment, and then. Immediately, boom! Here come the cops hassling them. Something mm-hmm. I learned, and I just want to, you know, because I know you said you're not as familiar with comics and stuff. I know a lot of people listening or you have varying levels of of interest there. But uh, you know, last week before the first episode, we did our the big comic book cram on Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, and and one of our staff writers, Aaron, uh, who's awesome, he wrote an incredible article about the history of Isaiah Bradley and how it uh, how it connects to the Tuskegee study of 1932, where there was actually experimentation going on with black soldiers and, and it was hidden and, you know, and they were kind of outcast when the, you know, when the experiments were over, they were never taken care of. And Isaiah Bradley's story really digs into that and connects to that. And it seems like Falcon and Winter Soldier is really going full on into that storyline. And so just for more background information, like after reading that, I, I had so much more perspective than I before than I had ever did about, you know, Isaiah Bradley or about that. It was stuff about history that I didn't even know. Um, and so I, I encourage you guys listening you know, and Matt, you know, talking about you know, learning about these characters and stuff. Aaron's piece is phenomenal. It is 100% worth checking out. It'll, it'll give you a lot more information about like what's actually going on with Isaiah. Yeah, Bradley. I mean, I, I was actually going to bring this up. I was going to, I, I try, I actually messaged Aaron this morning and asked Aaron to come on the show today. But uh, s- notifications in the work <laughs> chat were snoozed. So hopefully we get Aaron on soon. But I mean, I did want to highlight some of that. Uh, because I, I I had some notes here that we we're going to talk about Isaiah Bradley. She's kind of come into the show out of nowhere, played by Carl Lumley. Uh, I think maybe aged up a little bit, which might mean Isaiah Bradley could get into some action, I think. Uh, but um, his IMGP page, best known for Men of Honor. So how fitting that that's that this is who they cast. He worked he, with he Anthony Mackie. He was on Supergirl, too. 
Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's been Martian Manhunter across like mm-hmm. multiple animated things and on Supergirl. And so, yeah, it's it's fun to see him pop over to the Marvel side, too, because I think this is just such great casting. Yeah. Yeah. And he worked with uh, Mackie on Altered Carbon season two. So that's pretty cool. But I mean, the Bradley stuff, I mean, it's very interesting. There's the, the story, basically, is that Marvel did a, a mini series that told the story of Isaiah Bradley, who was Captain America. What was it? 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. Charlie, during the Tuskegee trials, yeah, I think it was called. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so there, the story is that it's a real world story. While there was a a syphilis epidemic, and people were trying to have a breakthrough and treat syphilis around the world, and there were, I think, six hundred black men who were part of this test, and three hundred ninety nine of them were actually positive for the virus, and the the cure for syphilis had come out. But these people continued to die anyway. And it was a test that ran for 40 years well beyond the cure coming out. So it's basically implying that they, they didn't get the cure. They intentionally didn't cure these people, I guess, to con- just for the sake of experimenting. And so it's, it's the, the story of Isaiah Bradley is something that mirrors that where there were super soldiers and they were all experimented on and they were most of them perished. And Isaiah Bradley was treated terribly and th- racial slurs were thrown at him and he was degraded by the people who were representing the country and he still chose to go fight for the country after the super soldier serum worked on him and he even got to wear a captain america costume and when he came home he wasn't thanked didn't get a medal of honor was thrown in jail and that is I, it seems like they are going with a similar story for isaiah bradley in the in the mcu i don't know how much we'll see of the backstory there i don't know if this was as much as we're going to get but it's a really bold step to take. It's and I'm, and I'm proud of them for bringing this story in. And people are going to go look at stories like what Aaron wrote. Maybe they'll go read the comic and they'll they'll learn a lot about important issues. So Falcon Winter Soldier, I mean, huge props to them going in this direction and bringing the character in in the feels, fashion they did. Feels feels like we haven't seen the last of Isaiah Bradley in this series. No, no way. No. I mean, we saw no Sam way. look back at that house like, I, I want to know that guy. And so what happens then is when Steve Rogers finds out about Isaiah Bradley, he's shocked to learn he did not know about this character who was Captain America before him, gets in the costume back, not to say you are Captain America again, but to kind of be like, I know there's nothing I can do to make up for what you've been through, but this is me trying to say like, you know, this country hasn't completely forgotten you, I guess. we There are people who appreciate you and I'm one of them. So it's going to come into, you know, and what does the symbols mean and things well, like that. Well, it really ties into the overarching, like when you look back at the entire Captain America story in the MCU, it really ties into the theme of, of what Steve Rogers has dealt with and now what Sam is dealing with. You know, through every Captain America movie, there's been this underlying theme of, of what patriotism means and where loyalty is really supposed to lie. And like being Captain America, you know, being a symbol of, Hope, are you loyal to your country, as in the people in it, or the laws and the government of your country? And, you know, the seeds were planted in, you know, in the first movie, but then in Winter Soldier, you know, Nick Fury has all these secrets that he's keeping, and Cap is very, he's like, I'm not, I'm not a part of this. Like, I will not stand for that. And it's one of those things where you learn that Steve had no idea about Isaiah Bradley, because Steve would not have been able to deal with that being, like, that never would have been okay for Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you have this, this theme of of always questioning the people that are put in authority because are they working for or against the people you're actually supposed to represent, the people you're supposed to fight for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously we see that going on in same story and then connected to Isaiah Bradley. It's just I've really loved seeing that kind of always be present in the story of Captain America, regardless of who Captain America 
is. I mean, Spellman's talked about like the big theme of this is is uh, is Sam deciding what the shield means, and we yeah. really get a lot of that in this episode. Well, and, if you do and a Google search. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Brandon. I just wanted to let everybody know if they're watching, if you want to find this story that we're talking about from Aaron, you can Google search IsaiahBradleyComicBook.com. It'll probably be the first article that comes up. It's written by Aaron Perrine Perini. I should not pronounce that last name. There's some names. <laughs> Listen, I've not, we, we, we are all virtual. Okay. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, Brandon, I was just going to say, just sort of to echo, you know, to add on to what Charlie was saying there is, you know, it feels like through two episodes, there's sort of two themes. You know, there's a lot of things going on, obviously, as as there is with any Marvel project. But two main themes have sort of jumped out at me. And one is obviously race and specifically, you know, um, not the role, but, um, you know, how how our country views black men. Right. You know, and and uh, and and people of color, but specifically black men, just because obviously one of the series leads is a black male. And so, and the other theme is, why didn't Sam take the shield? Why doesn't Sam take the shield back? Why isn't Sam, you know, um, uh, why are they giving it to this other guy? Why are they giving it to John Walker? The whole thing. And I just wonder if those two themes ultimately coincide. That I think that, they absolutely do. Yeah. You know? mm. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that scene with the cop cars in today's episode in Baltimore was really, I mean, that's something that happens. Not yes. not just every day. I mean, probably every hour in this country, if not more than that. So, and, and how they brought uh, that and the back difference to you. is the difference is that a lot of Black Americans who are going through that can't say, "Don't you know who I am? Give me a break!" Like, you right. know, you're not famous. Well, you're not that just... ties into in the first episode the idea of celebrity and yeah. When you look at, at people of color and how it's like, oh, if you're celebrity, it's different and that America as a whole cares more about them for their celebrity than their actual actions and who they are. You know, at the beginning of the first episode, Sam is greeted by a man in Tanzania who just walks up and is grateful for his heroism and appreciates what he's done. And you have a mirror of that at the very end with the banker who all he cares about is getting a selfie because he cares about Sam for Instagram, but not in real life because he sees him as only a celebrity. And kind of Listen, how- it was a very small... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Charlie. I was going to say there was a very small moment, but just to that point, just a flip coin of that I, was the kid saying, hey, it's Black Falcon. Mm-hmm. Like, here's a, here's an African-American young man who's a fan, right? Recognizes him immediately, and even he attaches race to it, right? Like, right. even this young kid is just like, hey, you're Black Falcon. And he's just like, no, I'm Falcon. Oh, my dad calls me Black Falcon. Why? Because I'm, you know, like, I mean, like, yeah. like, like, it's like, even somebody that is that is recognizing him and that is a fan attaches race in a place where it doesn't need to be attached. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to go to a topic that I was texting Charlie about this morning. It seemed to be the one thing, uh, the one issue he had with the episode, which was something I did in mind. He thought that the Sam and Bucky reunion felt a little bit rushed. Like it should have been better explained on how they, how they got together. I personally totally forgive that because I love how Bucky went straight in with, uh, you know, why didn't you take the shield? I thought that was really cool. And their banter was super fun. And I was just so happy to see them together that I didn't care that how quickly they came together. Charlie, share your perspective. Yeah. Um, so I, I watched it the second time and um, I did, I did like a, like a, that scene more the second time, but my issue wasn't necessarily that he just came right in. I think that is a very Bucky thing to do. He is a very impulsive person. Um, but when you look at the first episode and how distant he was from everyone, and then the, it's the way in which he came in, 
it, it he came in and said, hey, what's the shield? That makes sense. But then there was no, oh, Bucky, hi, where have you been? Let's talk. It was just like immediately they're just walking and talking and going to a mission and Bucky tags along, which like I said, that makes sense. It was just, it was the way in which that conversation unfolded just felt a little weird after they've gone all this time without seeing each other. Um, I, I personally didn't mind it. And then like, I know in the first episode, the therapist mentions like, Oh, you've been ignoring the texts and calls from Sam. So it's right. like Sam yeah. is trying to reach out to Bucky and Bucky is not necessarily engaging with that. And so then it just takes this inciting incident for him to be like, okay, I will talk to you, but it's just because I'm mad at you more than anything. And, and something I need to remember too, that I think I get caught up in is <laughs> thinking that they've spent all this time apart. Well, no, really for them, yeah. it's only been a couple of months, mm-hmm. you know, cause they were, they were both snapped. So that whole five year period, is nothing to them. And then they were together and then they were, you know, with Steve you know, after the events of Endgame, which was not long, you know, a few months right. before mm-hmm. Falcon Winter Soldier. So they, they're not these, these distance friends. And like I said, that's something I got to remind myself. Um, they're not these, these long distance friends. Like they've, they've been together recently. Yeah. Uh, I, but you know, it, it, that it's one of those things where, you know, like I told you when we were texting earlier, like it's more of a nitpick thing. Like, yeah, no, I feel you. I feel fundamentally you. bothered. I mean, listen, we're all we're all kind of just gloating over this because we loved this episode. So I had to find a way to be like, well, there was <laughs> something at least we didn't like. But uh, I did. Uh, I think I mean, Mackie and Stan together, their chemistry is so good. The little one liners they have, the little zings at each other. But what I particularly got a kick out of when when Sam Wilson said you spend a little time in Wakanda and all of a sudden you're the White Panther. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And then he he collect, corrected him and said, well, I'm the White Wolf. And I was like, oh, we're sticking Which with that. Leaves okay. that open too. Like, that was such I a thought, cool thing when they announced that, or when they revealed at the end of Black Panther. Like, yeah. Or was that? It wasn't that, the end of Black Panther. It was yeah, a different it was. movie. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah, I can never because the post credits are always all over the place. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I thought, and I thought that I thought that was a sort of a big moment where he says, "No, it's actually right. It's actually you know, White Wolf." Even though the show is called The Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier, you know, and and so. You know, we at the end of this, at the end of this series in four more episodes, is is the Falcon actually Captain America, and is the Winter Soldier the White Wolf? Yeah, like, yeah I mean, Captain season the White two Wolf is, is going to be season two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, season, yeah, season two is Captain America and the White Wolf. Let's uh, <laughs> you're following the comics on um, both these characters. I mean, they're going to toy with us. I mean, they're both going to train with the shield. We're going to see both of them with it because we know Bucky has been Captain America in the comics. So it's cool though. Another comics thing, we might get an actual Red Wing, which I know Charlie is very excited for. Red Wing was snapped in half. I laughed out loud when Bucky said I always wanted to do that. And now the stage has been set for an actual bird to join Sam Wilson. Well, it's not just that the thing broke. It was, there's the line before or right after that, after it breaks, when um, Lamar and uh, uh, Walker. John Walker. tell tell Sam that they found him because they were tracking everything. Well, because it's government property, so we can do whatever you know. We can track it. And this idea of him like not wanting, just like Steve, not wanting to be connected to that, like mm-hmm. a bird, a real bird. You know, I mean, unless what you is, believe that all birds is. are government property and robots, anyway. <laughs> like a real falcon can't be tracked by by John and Lamar, and you know, they he can have his own thing and i mean how he talks to birds i don't i don't know how that'll work in the mcu but i was like oh maybe we'll get like an actual an actual red wing in this which would be super cool do you I know mean, how mad <laughs> no we have a talking tree and a talking raccoon so like that, I that's can, true we, we can easily that catch is true. Up yeah. by sam talking to birds i feel like if they do you really know want to do that. how mad whiplash is gonna be if sam wilson gets his board 
Come on, Iron Man that was too. Nobody, that was nobody, nobody. Uh, it would have been better on. if your accent was better. I think it would have landed. It would have been. I want my bird. <laughs> I think that's. Come there on. Vaunt what was cool though is you might be getting the bird. Um, yeah, Red Wing wasn't the only. Hammer than you do uh, Whiplash. Uh, <laughs> which, I, which, by the way, is is just is exactly the insult you think it is. Just to be clear, um, wow. Red Wing wasn't really the only like potential new character thing that we got teased though, which was super cool. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were a bunch littered in there, but Eli was the one that really stood out because um, the internet's blowing up about Young Avengers being a thing now. Um, oh, that's you know, say that again. So Eli Bradley, Isaiah's grandson, yeah, is Patriot from the Young Avengers, mm-hmm. and so when you have him, you have Billy and Tommy from WandaVision. We know Kate Bishop's coming up. They're all core Young Avengers characters, and then you add in, you know, we know Miss Marvel is there, Marvel. and she's a, a big member of the Champions, along with uh, Torres who takes over as Falcon in the comics. Like there's, they're planting the seeds for all these like young characters to potentially show up if they want. Yeah. Cassie Lang's another one. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's, there's a lot of little seeds being planted there. And Eli specifically was, was really cool to see. Like there is something here. There's definitely a potential, you know, even if Isaiah doesn't get a lot in the future because he's older, Eli has the opportunity to really be a, a potentially core character. That's going that's forward. just the brilliance of the MCU and Kevin Feige and everyone. It's just like they don't they don't miss a trick. You know what I mean? Like every little detail. Even if even if he doesn't show up, you know, for four more years. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's really it's really amazing. Just sort of um, you know they don't miss a detail. All the characters we didn't get in Wandavision are coming to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> don't Charlie. Say don't say that. Now people will think Mephisto is going to show up. So yeah, that's Jim um, Biscardi. Uh, Jim Biscardi, who has been kicked off the show this week for his Chris <laughs> Evans slander last week, is in the comment section saying that that uh, he said I think he said Isaiah Bradley is Mephisto, or he said no, no, it's Flag Smasher. Flag Smasher is Mephisto. Oh, Flag Smasher is Mephisto. Oh. Yeah, no, we don't do Chris Evans slander. Captain Acrylica, Wait, so one not on this show. Um, well, I'm happy I'm still on the show after my um, my Birds of Prey slander then. Um, uh, so well, it's just, because it's not Jenna's show. Yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> so just anyone watching, just, you know, or anyone who wants to comment, Chris Slander, Chris Evans slander, no, Birds of Prey slander, you can get away with. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa. We went, I think we had three people line up in defense of DC yeah. after that. Yes, you did. You know? So but I stand we, my ground. I will, do, listen, DC is fine. It's just it doesn't hold a candle to the MCU. We're not here to tell. We're not here to change your opinion. We're just here to tell you what's wrong. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. I know I'm right. I I, I have one question. Hold on. We're not going off the rails again. No, I know. This is about the show. No, it's about the show. No, this is in all seriousness. One thing. This isn't about the Falcon of the Winter Soldier, Matthew Barry. I swear to Buddha. Hang on. Hang on. One thing we got to talk about with Falcon Winter Soldier. No, no. I'm bringing it back. I'm doing your job. I'm bringing it back. That's wow. what I'm doing. Jenna, this is what I do. When me and you and Charlie have our own podcast, which is happening, mm-hmm. yeah, you'll see. You'll see. I run but, on, but on Matt's podcast, he's the one that always has to be corralled back into the point. Actually, correct. I'm going to come on your podcast one day. Who's your, who's, I, don't even, I don't know who That's your favorite. Are you allowed to have a favorite NFL team? I don't even know. Yeah. So I'm just it's gonna, the Washington I'm football gonna, team. Washington football team. Yeah. Hail to the Washington football team. Um, but anyway, uh, football is a good transition because what I was going to say is I feel like we need to talk about John and Lamar, what, like because we we you know whatever he was introduced. That, that's yeah. I feel like that's a big thing. Like, like it's interesting um, because I feel like originally we we're supposed to not like John, 
And I'm like, wow, you know, we're not supposed to like John, but we're really not supposed to like Lamar. Oh, yeah, Lamar's I mean, the one I can't wait to see more of. I love thing, Lamar. Here's the thing, like, uh, here's what I am very interested to see because obviously we don't like John Walker, not in this house. We don't stand John Walker. Uh, but uh, the episode really, for I, I am curious, people who watch this without our commentary, without the Twitter commentary, without the comic book knowledge, they really did a lot to make him sort of likable, especially early in the episode. He seemed like a very earnest guy who wants to be Captain America very genuinely. He wants to serve this role properly. Now, if you and, know the comics... Hey Brandon, I'm going to interrupt real quickly just to tie it back to our earlier conversation. All of that, plus he's in an interracial relationship, which isn't... There, you know what I mean? It's just, it's again, as we just talked about diversity and inclusion. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. This yeah. character in the comics does everything he needs to do to make himself likable. He lies. Mm -hmm. He he is all publicly full of words I can't say on a on a comicbook.com broadcast. Him and Lamar team up to make up crap that isn't really true. They make it themselves look like heroes. They start this stuff. And so, like in the in the episode we see him say, "Yes, I've jumped on a grenade four times." It's like, did you actually jump on a grade four times or was this manufactured stuff well, to he, get he yourself went on to say this job? Like, he murder. knew he wasn't going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. He had the helmet that was like, yes, he jumped yes. on a grenade, but not with any real risk they, to But they himself. also, they ran through all of his achievements and his accolades yeah. in the military. And it's like, well, did they so, kind of so set this me, up? So I, I think, I just want to say that I think they set him up for the people who don't know all this stuff about John Walker from the comics to be like, ah, you know, maybe he's not that bad. And then they're going to, they're going to yank it back. That in a relation, that interracial relationship yeah. might just be a tool from his perspective, and he might just be this white dude who's just an absolute atrocity, and he's using these things as tools, like a sociopath would, to just prop himself up and be Captain America to be in that position of power. I don't know. I don't know the direction they're going to go, but I think he's going to be a very hateable character by the time this is over if well, they show yeah. everything they can from comics. Jenna, well, go ahead. If, they, if they did that, that would be really interesting because it would almost be the reverse of how he was introduced in the comics because he was like a villain first of just like a clear mm. antagonist to Steve Rogers and then over the course of his tenure and like becoming Captain America and then becoming US agent, it was, they, they found more qualities in him that were inherently likable. And so I think if the MCU does the reverse of that, that could be really interesting too. And like, I think it's just a smart way to go because yeah, I was sitting there and I'm like, I don't entirely hate him. Like there are moments in here where it's like, it, it works, but he. Just the vibe with Sam and Bucky, I just want to see more of because that dynamic was really interesting too. I want to pull up a comment see, here I, from I Comic Book Nation. Hold on. Yeah. The, in the comments, Kofi Outlaw, PPN Kofi out there says the lighting <laughs> on that stay out of my way line was pretty sinister. I have to agree. I mean, now that you say yeah. that, it's giving me flashbacks to the Vulture and Spider-Man Homecoming. Go ahead, Charlie. It, well, so I went into this because of the comics thinking, like expecting this guy to be like, a horrible person and expecting him to be lying about things. But as I watch it, I'm almost wondering if he really is being sincere. And we're, we watched over just the course of one episode. It was, it was a short amount of time, but we watched, we saw a very different John Walker at the end of the episode. We saw at the beginning of the episode with his tenure as Captain America. He's kind of getting full of himself. He's getting arrogant. He's, you know, he thinks he knows everything. And I think we're going to kind of see this downward spiral of a guy who really did have good intentions you know, we look at a show like WandaVision, and there really wasn't a villain in WandaVision. Um, and I think there's kind of that element with John Walker to an extent, um, with you know, with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Well, and watching this guy, this guy spiral, especially there was there was the, a quote from Spellman today. I wish I, I remembered uh, or would have written it down and remember where it was from. But he talked about how if they would have brought the version from the comics to real life, it just would not have worked. Like 
it was too dastardly and, and, and evil to, to really work in this story. And so they made John Walker a more likable character. And yeah. I, I think we're going to see the, the de-evolution of Yeah, I think so, too. I guy. think that, that curtain is going to slowly be pulled back on him being a villain. I did like the line... Uh, he said to them, we can't go at them divided. And you know that. And I start, I was wondering, do you think that's an infinity war reference? Because Bucky and Sam and everybody went at Thanos divided and they lost. And the big thing, the Russo brothers always said, and the writers always said of Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely was the Avengers are shattered right now. They're divided. They're in the worst possible way to take on the biggest threat ever. I would argue that if they were together, they would have won. And as we saw when they were together in Endgame, they won. So I do wonder is John Walker, like, does the world know? The Avengers were too busy being divided to actually stop Thanos. Could there be a bit of like shade towards characters for not putting their differences aside and all and not making the call to Captain America at the beginning of Infinity War and stuff like that? I saw that more of a Civil War reference because it was like, mm -hmm. oh, the Avengers divided themselves and like, you know, publicly fought at an airport and had this whole beef with each other. And I feel like that is something that would be more publicly known as opposed to like what was actually going on during Infinity War. That's just my take on it. And I saw it as so much more of a there's the Nemo sorry, tie into uh, to Civil War and yep. and yeah. obviously this show which we see at the very end. But there's two things. Number one is where I thought you were going, Charlie. Is you know there's a one line uh, towards the end of the episode where somebody says I forget who says it to John Walker. I thought it was maybe it was Sam who just said you okay there. You seem a little on edge. You seem a little intense. Something like that. You know. So um, like a little hint that you know John Walker is starting to you know, go there. And I thought, um, just to your point about, um, you know, over the course of the episode becoming more cocky, more, um, uh, more full of himself. Like I got turned off by Lamar. This is a, like, I'm with you. I think the actor is great and it's a lot of fun, you know, to sort of be, you know, a guy you love to hate kind of thing. But I was listening when he was just like, when they're in the truck and he's just like, Hey, it looked like you guys were getting your asses kicked before we showed up. I'm just like, these two guys are Avengers. Yes, yeah, you know, Thana, Thanos, like exactly. What are you and, and, and that to give Falcon and Winter Soldier any kind of grief? Like, who are you? That's where I, I mean, think that, that line that Brandon brought up is actually coming from. Yeah, you know, I, I get the ties that you guys are making. I can totally see that, but to me, it speaks to there's a even if it's subconscious, there's an awareness with John that he is not as good a fit for the job as Sam or Bucky would be. Mm -hmm. He knows that he's not Steve Rogers. He knows he's not an Avenger. I think there's a complex of, I'm not an Avenger. I have to like I have to do this job. You know, we saw how torn he was at the beginning of like I have to do a good job, and he sees you know Sam went and found the bad guys, and you know there's a conversation with him and Lamar where he, Lamar's like, well this is the job, and really his job isn't to go fight crime. His main job is to do what Steve did back in World War II, mm -hmm. and just be a symbol, and. Yep go and take credit for what other people have done. He needs to, you know, go clean up at the very end and be there for the pictures to say, I took down the flag smashers, even though he really had nothing to do with it. Ah, and the old Ted his, Cruz hand out one case of water to people in right, Texas. His call oh, okay. is his, his whole thing is to, you know, if he, if he doesn't have Sam and Bucky, he's not going to be able to do it. And I think I he agree. knows that. And that kind of leads that line of he's trying to unite them because he knows Without them, he's going to have to work way harder to try and take the credit for it. Again, whether whether he knows he's just taking credit or whether he actually is trying to make a difference, you know, the best MCU bad guys are ones that think they're doing the right thing, that have good intentions. You know, Thanos, for all his evilness, he, in his mind, was doing a good thing. 
to him. He's, yeah. he's a sociopath. Well, I mean, that that's the thing. That's, thing. Killmonger was the same way. In order, the best villains don't see themselves as villains. They are the heroes yeah. of their story, and you have to be able to understand them, you, and that will make you hate them more. So I think that we could really be on a path like that with John Walker. It'll be interesting to see, as Jenna said, if he starts out as this kind of maybe he is a hero and then just devolves into straight-up villain. I think that's the most interesting way they could go with this. I just really hope this show does not shy away from making us hate him. I really want a hateable villain, and that will make it yeah. more fun to watch. I mean, it's, uh, it's this frustration Charlie, was, and like spiral. <laughs> the one thing, yeah. is, one thing I was going to say is just also, by the way, is to, to your point, Brandon and Jenna, about, you know, like, yeah, because I don't come with the, the comic book knowledge that you guys do. And so you're like, oh, yeah, he's super likable. You know, he's nice. He's in the locker room. He's nervous. He's talking with his girlfriend. You know, he's, um, you know, I'm not Steve Rogers. Seems, you know, they show the flashback of him, you know, working out with a shield. And it looks like, oh, you're pretty impressive. You know, and like he holds his own, you know, as, as well as as anyone else, as well as, you know, um, uh, Sam or Bucky, you know, when they're on top of the on top of the trucks, you know, he, you know, uses that shield as well as, as Steve did. So, but you think about, okay, like, so, um, uh, John Hayward, who's the director of S.W.O.R.D., you know, in, in WandaVision? Hayward. Right? Yeah, Hayward. He yeah. seemed really nice when we first meet him with uh, with Monica. Like, he seems like a great dude. And then think about Agatha, uh, you know, whatever. She seemed great, you know, uh, for, for most of that version. And, you know, so you sort of think... Agatha is there's great. A, I don't know what There's a long about. history of... I'm sorry, what did you say, Charlie? I said Agatha is great. Yeah, well, I mean, but you understand. Like, it's been like, Agatha all along. Right. No, I I know what you're saying. I just I just yeah, love Agnes, Catherine Hahn with all my heart. Fun, fun, fun. Until we like, oh, actually, no, now she's got kids trapped. Um, uh, and 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 wanted trapped. And so there's a especially in these Disney Plus series, but you know, throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's a you know a decent history of people that seem nice. You know, there's some that are just like, okay, yeah, Thanos is a bad guy from moment one, but right, there's some that that uh, that seem very nice and aren't. I mean, Captain Marvel. Yeah. I'm just off the top of my head. That's entirely Captain Marvel. You know, the, the first half of Captain Marvel is the people we think are bad are good, and the people we think are good are bad. You know, what what that whole movie is nothing but a reverse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about Lamar Hoskins too, who's Battlestar. These two characters that we're gonna the the basically it seems like they are the kind of not the 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 mirrored, not great versions of Sam and Bucky, uh, and and the roles are reversed. Where John is the Captain America, Sam's gonna become go from Falcon, and I don't know. But uh, Lamar Hoskins, Battlestar, first appeared in Captain America number three twenty three, November nineteen eighty six. Became Battlestar. She's seen as Battlestar, Captain America 341, May 1988. Uh, super strong, super durable, great fighter, corrupt. Part of that story with John Walker. They manufacture all this stuff. Uh, do you, I don't know if we're going to see like super patriot propaganda. Do you guys want to see backstory or do you just want to see us move forward? Like tell the story and unveil it by moving forward. I feel like there's a way to still give the backstory while still moving forward. Like I don't necessarily need like an entire flashback episode or something, but I feel like there are, there can be little pockets where they can really kind of lean into the super Patriot and the kind of like propaganda aspect of it. Yeah. I think Lamar, especially it would be really easy both for him and John to, to introduce who they are and to know everything you need to know about them without really saying a whole lot. Yeah. Um, You know, especially after all we've seen in the MCU with, 
the fall of shield and the corruption of government and the erasure of government in the blip. Like, I feel like it's really easy to, to get on board with where they're at without having whole flashbacks. Like if we want to, if we do want to do flashbacks about Isaiah Bradley, I think there's a lot there to unpack, but with those two guys, I think it's really like, I mean, I feel like I already know almost everything I need to know about Lamar to be really interested in, in, in where he's going next. Um, Just based on how well, like his attitude is Mm -hmm. so unique and bold that there's an aura about him that kind of no one else has. And, and it, it really unlocks your mind to think about like where he's been. It's a fun imagination, you know, exercise. Uh, but you know, I, I'm with Jen. I don't think it really needs to go in the past. I mean, I'll be interested, but I don't think it, it needs to travel there. We only have six episodes Yeah, yeah only to four more. tell this whole story. Yeah. We got a couple things going on in the comments section. Some people want Sharon. Some people have a crush on Baron Zio and some people are being toxic and arguing with each other. We're not, this is not a place for anybody to be toxic or argue with each other or any sort of comments uh, on a racist front on any front to belittle anybody else who's just here trying to have a good time. We will look back at these. And if you are uh, violating any of what we're trying to build in this community, we will permanently ban you from this channel. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Uh, Anyway, next up, I want to talk about the villains, the flag smashers. Carly Morgenthau, officially named. Somebody was texting her. Who? I have not, I have not taken the time because I've been so busy trying to produce this show this morning that I did not even have time to think about who I think was texting her that's coming after her. Who do we think was texting her? Hmm. There's a couple things there, too, because I was going to bring up earlier and, and didn't have an opportunity. The Not only is it that moment with the texting, but also there's people that show up to take the plane. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh, they're with like Baron Zemo or something, but he's in prison still. Mm-hmm. Like there's this unnamed organization that really has, it could be the U.S. government. It could be Hydra, whatever. It Someone's could fingerprints be an aerospace are engineer. <laughs> oh, could God. be an aerospace engineer. There's just, there's so go. many things like that. And, you know, Jenna, you I think you have a little more knowledge to the character maybe than um, I do. I'm not like super duper familiar with Flag Smasher as a character. Like just a little bit that I know though. Like, yeah, I, I honestly have no idea who could be texting her. Yeah. Like I also haven't even really thought that much about that this morning, but I just kind of, and to your argument about Zemo, just based off of like how Zemo is in the comic, he still can orchestrate a lot of things behind yeah. prison. Like I will say, like the Punisher run from a couple of years ago where it was Punisher versus Zemo, he was able to do things where it's like no single person should have this level of pull, but yet you have that ability. So if it is him, that would make sense. But I also could just see the texting just be like nobody or like all of the connections to it. Just be like, this is just the extensions of the Flag Smashers, basically. Yeah, there's a lot going on with that organization that we're going to we're going to see. And like we talked about with just like with John and Lamar, like. Are there really villains in in this scenario with the Flag Smashers? You know, because we got to see what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of powerful people that are going to not want them to do what they're doing. Not because they think it's evil, but because it's actually helping people. And a lot of times the people in positions of power don't want that to happen. Well, and you know so, what's interesting? Sorry, I mean, go ahead. Sorry, no, you're good. You're good. Interrupt you. I was just going to say one of the theme, I think, of not only this show... But I think of a lot of the MCU, just the entire arc that, of everything we've seen so far is just the failure of government and people in power. Mm. And so, right, I mean, like, and it's on so many different levels. And so I think the Flag Smashers probably aren't going about it the right way, you know, with the, you know, the killing and everything like that. But they're, I, you know, 
it's all shades of gray, right? It's not black or white. Like there's some point, a partial part of their their statement in terms of like government is bad, right? Like it's like on some level, if you think about the the MCU, right? It's just like okay, the government literally like a day after Sam turned the shield into being the Smithsonian, they're you know they lied to him and they gave it yeah. to somebody else, right? You know, I mean, it was the government that was run by Hydra for years without anyone knowing. Yeah. What? It, it was a government that was infiltrated by Hydra, you know, for a long time. Well, potentially yeah. still now. Listen, who knows better than me? But Alexander, <laughs> Harris, you know what I mean, like exactly. I mean, so uh, you know, like ex- I mean, right, exactly, right. So you think about you think about you know Shield and even like the head of Sword turns out to be a bad guy, right? Um, or at least misguided, you know. Um, and, and so you know, you're just dealing with government failures on you know so many levels right i mean even even nick fury if you think back to the original avengers where they were upset that they thought nick was you know nick was lying to him not that they thought yeah. I mean, nick was yeah. legitimately lying to to uh to tony and to cap and so throughout every show there's always been somebody in a position of power that is being that is deceitful or misleading or not entirely truthful and so you know, government failures at, at sort of all levels yeah. or something that it, and it really you in a big it way. It really reminds me of of Killmonger's story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and his cause was completely noble. And it was, he saw government failing. He saw people being failed and people being killed and, you know, for something like the color of their skin. And he wanted to do something about that. And he saw a way to do something about it. And were his methods wrong i mean he murdered people so yeah but (laughs) he wasn't necessarily wrong for what he was trying to do Mm -hmm. you know he was he saw a way to liberate people from you know oppression and that's that's never not a noble cause Mm -hmm. and that's what you see with flag smashers and and i I didn't think i would really be interested in their story i was really excited about all the john walker stuff and that while that is awesome interesting i've really I'm really interested in what's going to happen with the flag smashers because I think the flag smashers are going to they're going to end up being characters that we might sympathize sympathize with because mm-hmm. I think that so Carly Morgenthau is is he just the, shows the the MCU version of Carl Morgenthau who was the individual flag smasher in the books this is now a group of them I think that it's going to be the opposite of the John Walker effect where where they're starting as these villains and I think they might come around I don't know if they're going to become heroes mm-hmm. but. I, I realized this in the comment section, I think, caught this, and we should. I think the person who texted her was Power Broker. Power Broker was mentioned uh-huh. in the episode. Power Broker plays a part in creating US Agent and Battlestar. He experiments with Super Soldier Serum in the comments, in the comics. He uh, drugs people to a, a way that he's telling them it will sus- help them sustain the Super Soldier Serum, but really it's making them reliant on his, like, him in general, he's he's forcing these people to rely on him, and I think flag smashers might actually be people who are trying to get away from that. And mm. maybe U.S. Agent and Battlestar are going to still be in favor of that, or not against power. I, I can so really I think see this being a situation where yeah. there it seems like Falcon and, and you know Sam and Bucky, and then you know Lamar and uh, and John are are all trying to take out this common enemy. But Sam and Bucky are going to see what they're doing, yeah, and you know want to stop the violence and figure out the super soldier serum stuff, but there's going to be a level of empathy that Sam feels for them and that Bucky feels for them. And when it comes down to it, it's going to be them going against John to protect people who are 
are hurting and who are, you know, downtrodden. Like it really feels like there's a narrative building there towards, you know, towards that conflict that's already, you know, brewing, but the flag smashers being on the protagonistic side of that with Sam and Bucky. And, and I'll just say just from a, um, from a thematic standpoint. So, you know, the MCU is like kind of obviously like this big umbrella, but there's threads within the MCU. Right. And so, Captain America is obviously a, a big threat. And I just, I keep going back to civil war and the Sokovia, you know, the, the, um, what is it, the Sokovia agreement, right? Um, I mean, the so, Sokovia Accords. 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 Sorry. Yeah. The Sokovia Accords that Cap did not want to sign, right? That, that, that Cap and Falcon did not want to sign. And so, and Bucky too, right? So they're all on sort of that anti-government side. If you think back to, to, to Civil War and about being under somebody's thumb. And it's interesting, right? Because there's that moment where towards the end of the show, we're like, hey, we should team up, you know? And uh, they're like, yeah, you guys got all sorts of regulations and approvals and that kind of stuff. We don't. So we're not going to work together. right? And, and that, that all ties into War. the idea of Sam not wanting to take the shield. Yeah. You know, that that's what I think Spellman's been trying to build with this whole thing is like there are there are few people in in America who can understand the failings of the country more than a black man. And I think that he is able to uniquely see even a way Steve didn't, you know, what that shield can represent and what it should and shouldn't represent. Uh and then that's really causing a lot of the conflict for mm-hmm. him and then to see it in John's hands is just a whole you know, an affirmation of all that. Well, and I think going off of that, just to say one more thing about the Flag Smashers, like I think they further illustrate the, the show, kind of their approach to symbols and patriotism and how that all relates to it. Of like, if you are a member of the Flag Smashers or if you understand or agree with their point of view, then you don't see them as a threat. But like the way that the governments are trying to like pr- present them and the way that they are kind of seen in Sam and Bucky's eyes is as a threat. And so I think like the very symbol of it, like on the graffiti and all of this stuff is just an extension of the same way that like the Captain America shield represents so many different things to so many different people in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Brian. Well, I, I was going to say that speaking of the flag smashers, I think that actually Bucky could, now that I've kind of worked this out in my head while we're talking about it, Bucky could be the one who ultimately is more sympathetic with them because they're going to yeah. be people who have been experimented on. Uh, they've been treated with a super soldier serum. They've been used. They've been abused. Uh, and Bucky has been through this, something similar in that, like in that direct regard, not even in a metaphorical yeah. way, in that regard. And so I think, and, and I mean, they're stealing what looks like vaccines. So maybe they're just actually trying to free themselves. They're trying to become not reliant on their vaccine well, and they were talking broker, about taking the power to, to, broker. To camps of, they've been taking things to camps of people yeah. who were displaced after the blip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that because just, when, when the blip was restored, the governments all kind of took their power back and became individualistic. And like we saw with specifically with the American government and the American financial system in the first episode, you know, it is now designed to rip off people who were gone for five years with no way to make any, with, have any income. I do just you want know, to say like, it is kind of weird uh, to have vaccines, an online group of people who are like trying to start an uprising and a corrupt government. Uh, it's a little close to home, but uh, weird timing on all those. I fronts. think it's supposed to be. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, but they made this show, you know, a couple before any of this was even, Yeah. You could have seen most of this coming, like the vaccine element, the stuff like that. Uh, 
it's it's crazy how close to home this is hitting. And I mean, I just I'm proud of them for not shying away from a lot of the issues that they're doing here because this is the biggest stage to rep- to get representation, to get people talking, to start conversations, start as the Bachelor finale referred to it as uncomfortable conversations that need to be had. I mean, the conversations I mean, Isaiah that Bradley's that starts, one of the biggest trending topics in America. Like, wow, that's a that's a big that's a really big, big deal. deal. It's a really big deal. That's so. Huge. Listen, if you guys want to talk more, you're welcome to hit us up. Uh, I, you know, Use hashtag phase zero. Hit us up directly on Twitter. If you're following us on Twitch right now or if you're watching us on Twitch right now, make sure you are following us because we have Comic Book Nation. We have a wild podcast that's appeared when we have phase zero every Friday. And every once in a while, we'll pop on for some games. So uh, shout out to Layla and Dottie in the comment section. Brandon Moore, you guys are here every week. We love you for it. Uh, Matthew Barry, man, thank you for coming on the show today. Listen. Absolutely my pleasure. You know me. I am. I talk football every day in my life, so anytime I get a chance to talk Marvel and, you know, throw a little DCU slander in there, I am down. Woof. We don't I do that down. here. We <laughs> don't do that here. Um, this one, uh, I'm, I'm hitting that a little harder than I, I actually mean just because it's fun. But uh, it's always a pleasure. I'm always available to you. I am uh, honored to be the, uh, the first return guest. I hope, uh, I hope it's not my last time. And I'm, Jenna, I'm dead serious. Like, let's you and I, I want to have a debate with you. Even if it's just me and you on the phone, I want okay. to have a debate with you about Birds of Prey. Okay. I, I, I do want to bring up one question before we, we outro Jenna and Charlie here. This is from Casually Cosplaying. Question for Matt. Seeing how he can throw the shield, do you think John Walker could have went pro if he didn't join the military? It feels like it, man. I mean, I mean if, really if Coach would have just put him right? in fourth quarter, you know. Yeah, I, I believe in the comics he did actually play play football, if I remember correctly. That might not be 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that that did happen. Well, and obviously he's introduced, you know, they do the, the whole thing they do at the top of the show is on a football field. I mean, there's a million He's supposed to be the, the all-American boy kind of thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, they could have they done it in a baseball field, by the way. They could have done it on, you know, like a, a press conference. Like there's a zillion different parade, you know. Uh, Disneyland, he could have been, you know, like there's a zillion different ways to sort of uh, do that. And they chose a football field, right? And, um, you know, center stage and, you know, of course, Good Morning America. All, I'm only through the first few episodes, but uh, I feel like he's going to end up being like if Nate from Euphoria became Captain America. But uh, I mean, and, and Wyatt Russell's not a, a small guy either. Like, no. Wyatt Russell's got yeah. some size on him. Yeah. Anyway, you know, so, like, say, do you guys Kurt like, Russell's kid in the MCU is just exciting in and of itself yeah um do you guys feel like um uh and i don't know if they did this on purpose or not but like so his cap his captain america costume like is sort of like not as good as any oh it's terrible especially yeah but it's that's purposeful yeah exactly i feel like it's it's kind of like a like a vert like you know captain america first avenger (laughs) you know like like way back (laughs) yeah and also his face looks all squishy like I, I oh, it's helmet, like he's got that's, a squishy face. That's got to be intentional. They want this yeah. guy to look like a dork. They want us to be like, yo, you don't have that Steve Rogers swag. Like, look at where's your jawline? Because the the right. chin strap was above his chin to make it look to make it condense his face like the old man from Up. Like yeah. it was not an. It looks like dopey. Oh. Yes. Oh, poor Wyatt the Russell. Right. So he, I, I, Wyatt listen, Russell's a great. gorgeous person. I'm t- yeah. I am talking to uh, to Wyatt on Monday, and I like if you want that interview, it'll be on comicbook.com. We're not going to save that one for the podcast. We're not going to make you wait till Friday because then it'll be an episode two interview after episode three. But uh, I'm going to address this with Wyatt. I'm going to be like, man, how what how is it so far? 
I, like, and I think there's more dude, to that but, too. Like you know, your character. And maybe it's just because I'm not used to seeing him without a beard, but even without the helmet, he looks different than he normally does. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Layla they, says, they, tell they, him we apologize to an extent. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, Charlie, uh, thank you for coming on the show today. Your first time on Phase Zero. Any parting words for the Phase Zero fans here? No, just you know, I'm I'm glad to be here. And if we can get more lines uh, in this show, like Bucky's, uh, if he was wrong about you, then he's wrong about me. Then I'll just you know, I'll be crying for the next four weeks, and it'll be it'll be a, a thing to see. These Disney Plus shows and their dialogue. Mm-hmm. Hey, Brandon. Yep. I'm just gonna. Say, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, I don't know if I'm ever getting him right back, but you absolutely need to have Charlie back because I thought he crushed it today. I well, thought Char- Charlie. I, I'm amazed this is your first time on this podcast because I thought. Well, so Brandon and I used to do a weekly show, a weekly live show together in our studio a couple years ago. We used to every Thursday night our comic book now show. You know, we did comic we, book we, now. We've been doing this a long time. Okay, because I was just gonna say, like, you're really natural and 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 thoughtful and smart and fun. I, I thought you were great, man. I, I appreciate it. Really impressive. I thought you were great. I can't believe that you don't podcast all that much. It's crazy <laughs> to me. You two have each other's numbers. You can confess love for each other after the yeah. show. Yeah. I love that. No, Charlie, you're welcome Charlie back. So I can get him onto my side for the argument with Jenna about <laughs> No, I, I, I have too Charlie much. Charlie has game that I'm working over here. Charlie also does have his own podcast that he does separately. Charlie, what's your podcast called? Uh, Generation VHS is the, the one we do. We talk about 90s movies. So, you know, it's yeah, a, a totally it's, different subject, but it's, you know, yeah. a dumb, fun not, thing. Fun Just, idea. Matt, if, oh, you're, yeah. uh, if you're a 90s movies fan, uh, may, maybe you two can set something up. And, and Jenna, parting mm-hmm. words for today's episode 11 of the Phase Zero podcast. Um, I don't know. Just search Hey, It's Jenna Lynn basically anywhere and you can find me. And I guess I have to go prepare to fight Matt about Birds of Prey. So I guess <laughs> you start, start prepping for that. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I just want to say I can't believe this was only your second episode because you were so fantastic. Thank you. Oh, I didn't even realize that either. Yeah, Jenna's Jenna, you're the bomb. Despite Thank your, you. your no. misguided opinions about the <laughs> about birds of prey. I think, I think you. you're listen, I think all three of you are fantastic. I'm truly grateful you joined me on Phase Zero today. And to everybody who's watching on Twitch, listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, means the world that you listen to us. In the weeks between the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki. I'm trying to figure out what to do with those episodes. I think I want to have some fans on. Matt, maybe we'll have you on. I want to do some trivia against fans versus the pros. Like the, I guess we're, I mean, we're just professional fans, so what, that's really the only difference. We're still just fans at the end of the day. I think that's a fun thing. Maybe we'll work out some cool prizes if that's legal. And we'll have some fun stuff here on Phase Zero. Guys, if you want to talk more, hashtag Phase Zero. Hit us up on Twitter uh, anytime you want. I love talking with everybody. And uh, that's it. Go watch the Suicide Squad trailer. Go watch the Falcon and the Winter Soldier again. Go watch Invincible on Amazon. That show's really good. Zack Snyder's Justice League is available in black and white. I know Matthew Barry won't be watching it, but if you like good stuff, you should watch that. And uh, that's it. You can hit me up at Brandon Davis BD. Head over to comicbook.com slash Marvel for more updates. I'll have a full uh, breakdown video with all the Easter eggs and everything in a much more condensed fashion than today's show available for you on Monday on the comicbook.com YouTube channel and on Twitter. I'm BD. See y'all later. <laughs>